today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith The Scripture teaches us the possibility of backsliding. All of us, every single one of us, from the pastor to the deacon to the Sunday school teacher to the newest member to the oldest member, we have this bent towards sin. We're prone to wander, to leave the God we love. We don't have this bent towards God. When you drift, when you wander, do you drift into holiness? Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and Backsliding or slowly drifting away from God is a possibility for every single Christian. In today's message from the book of James, Pastor Ed warns us to be on the alert against backsliding. In order to prevent growing cold in our faith, we must surround ourselves with other believers that will hold us accountable should we begin to slip. We must also be intentional in our relationship with the Lord. Christians must take time to spend with Jesus so that we can fan the flames of our passionate love for Christ. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Can you remember people that started following Christ? They're no longer following Christ. Can you, like myself, remember people that once came to church? I remember when I was saved as a young person. I was so excited. I'd witness to everybody. I'd go into the school. I'd go into the bowling alley where I'd worked. I'd go into my neighborhood, handing out tracts, telling everybody about Christ, out on the street corners in Brooklyn where we used to preach the gospel. And I remember a whole bunch of young people getting saved. Some were my friends. Some were I didn't know. And at that time, all of these people just seemed to be coming to the Lord. But after a number of months, I'd turn around and I'd say, where is so-and-so? Where did happened to her? What happened to that other person? Oh, they backslid. They've wandered away. Then I remember going to Bible college. I was excited about Bible college, and I saw this one guy. He really loved the Lord. And I said, I want to be close to this guy because he is really a spiritual man. He would be the first one in the prayer room in the morning and the last one to leave in the evening. He'd be on Brown University campus handing out tracts, telling people about Jesus Christ. And then his place at the supper table in the dining hall would often be empty because he was fasting and praying. So my good friend Jim Mao, I said, Jim, Jim wasn't a student at that time. I said, Jim, I want you to room with me. And I asked Walter to be a roommate with us. Man, he's going to bless you. He really loves the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jim came, started his freshman year, and uh, I was in my second year, and there Walter was. Something happened during the summer. Something spiritually changed inside of him. No longer was he in the prayer room. No longer was he out on Brown University campus handing out tracts. 
that fire abated, that zeal left, that fervor for God was no longer there. And soon he left the college. And years later, I was walking in Lancaster, PA, and as I was walking, who did I meet? And he didn't live in Lancaster, he lived in New Jersey. Who did I meet but Walter? And then we began a conversation, and Walter, it was obvious from that conversation that he was no longer following our Lord Jesus Christ. He was no longer living for God. As a pastor, I've seen that happen even within the church. Somebody comes in and they are so on fire for God. They're here Wednesday night, maybe Sunday morning, Sunday night. They're at the altars. They're praying. Oh, pastor, I want to do this. Pastor, I want to do And they're ready to just go out and win the world for Christ. They may be a young person, an older person. But time passes. And all of a sudden, you see them drifting, just becoming distant And before you know it, they no longer are serving the God that they once loved. I believe James is speaking to that point. He's ending his book with that impact. He's warning all of us against backsliding. Reclaiming the Wanderer is the title of the message this morning. And I want to begin where James does. The danger of of backsliding. It's a danger. Verse 19. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back. Let me draw your attention to that word wander. You might get the impression that it means that somebody just sort of loses their way and it's a casual thing. It's something that uh, they didn't even notice. No. In the Greek language, it's very strong. It means to move out of the way of righteousness. It means to come to a fork and go this way rather than that way. Uh, To choose your will rather than God's will. To choose the way of the world rather than the way of God. And so wandering, it can happen almost imperceptibly. can happen slowly, but it does take a decision. To consciously choose to go your own way rather than God's way. And so James looks at the church. He looks at the landscape of those early Christians. And perhaps going from church to church to church, overseeing the work of the Lord, he would ask, where is brother so-and-so? Where is sister so-and-so? Oh, James, they're no longer serving God. The possibility of backsliding exists. The possibility exists for all of us. Gary was his name. Gary one day said to me, and he was a bodybuilder, he had gone through some very difficult times. And Gary said to me, Pastor, I will never turn back into the world. When he said it, there was a check in my heart. I said, you know, you got to stay in accountability. You can't just think presumptuously that you're different than anybody else. And sure enough, Gary left the church and stopped following God for a period of time in his life. The scripture teaches us the possibility of backsliding. All of us 
Every single one of us, from the pastor to the deacon to the Sunday school teacher to the newest member to the oldest member, we have this bent towards sin. We're prone to wander, to leave the God we love. We don't have this bent towards God. When you drift, when you wander, do you drift into holiness? Do you drift into reading the scriptures? Do you drift into, as it were, you know, uh, serving God? No, when you drift, you drift into disobedience. You drift into neglecting the spiritual things of your life. You drift away from the Lord. When I studied the life of John Wesley, I was deeply moved by how the Methodist church started. John Wesley would go to a community and preach, and there would be a great revival. Many people would be saved. John Wesley would go back there, maybe a year later, year and a half later, as he was making his itinerary through the British Isles. And he said, that great revival and all those people that were saved, they're scattered. They're no longer there. And that large group has dwindled down to a couple. So Wesley pondered the situation. And he determined to start small groups. And they would be accountable. He called them watching over one another in love. So when Wesley would go into community, he would preach, people would get saved, and then he would form small groups. But I want you to listen to what what happened in these small groups. And let me ask you, would you join one of them? Now you had to answer these questions. Here's one of the questions. Does any sin, inward or outward, have dominion over you? Somebody looking at you square in the eyes group of people around, does any sin, inward or outward, have dominion over you? Then he'd ask another question. They'd ask a question, do you desire to be told the truth of your faults? Boy, I tell you, I don't know how that would go in church today. Do you desire to know the truth about your faults? And then a third question, do you desire to be told all of your faults? And that plain and clear. It didn't stop there. Do you desire that we should tell you whatsoever we think, whatsoever we fear, and whatsoever we hear concerning you? What was Wesley doing? He wanted people to be accountable. He understood that we were prone to wander, to leave the God We love. He understood that from the very inception of the church to its consummation, when Jesus Christ comes back, there will be a multitude who have sat in pews, who have worshiped God, who have spoken, as it were, in a heavenly language, who were filled with the Spirit, who were not in the kingdom because they have left the God they loved. Think with me. Five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, think about the people who sat around you, who you knew. Are there those that you know that are no longer walking with Christ? It happens to me almost all the time. I go into a store and I may be talking to someone and they say, Oh, I used to attend Faith Assembly. Anybody ever say that? I used to attend Faith Assembly. 
Oh, where are you going now? Oh, nowhere. I used to be a part of the church. I used to be in the youth group. I used to be here in this group in the church. What happens is what James is talking about. This proneness in us to wander. Now, he goes on, and I'm going to ask you these questions too. Do you desire that in doing this we should come as close as possible, that we should be cut to the quick and searching your heart to the bottom? Boy, what, what's your thought life like? What's your attitude? How are you walking with God? How's your relationship with your spouse? What have you been watching on TV? The final question that he had here, is it your desire and design to be on this and all other occasions entirely open so as to speak everything that is in your heart without exception, without disguise, and without reserve? We're sinners to the core. And if we're serious about sanctification, we are going to be serious about getting into a relationship with others that will help us to grow in maturity in Christ. You cannot live the Christian life solo. You can't live it on your own. I will say that again and again until I pray that it's drilled into our hearts. We cannot think that... We were meant just on our own to live the Christian life. We need one another. Now, I notice not only the possibility of backsliding, but this text says something about the path of backsliding. Look at the text again, verse 19. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back. Notice the word wander from the truth. Where are they leaving the truth? Where else? I read a story about a man who had a pet canary. He loved this canary. It would sing. It was a beautiful summer, and he decided to give the canary some light and some air, and so he took it out to the backyard, and there some sparrows came. At first, the canary was frightened by them, but soon they developed, I guess, uh, some type of friendship or something out there, and the canary was with the sparrows. By the end of the summer... The canary could no longer sing its beautiful notes and song. It sounded more like a sparrow. That happens to Christians. If you hang out with the world, you lose the heavenly song. If you adopt the ways of our fallen world and you adopt their attitudes, It influences and it robs you of the heavenly song that God puts in your heart. And sometimes it happens, as I said, so imperceptibly. First you begin this way as a young person. Say, I am going to go witness to these people in school. I'm going to go tell them about Jesus Christ. And so you're going to, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And then you say, you know, I'm going to do some real evangelism. We're going to hang out on the courts together. We're going to hang out you know, playing football together. And then it becomes missionary dating. I want to win them to the Lord. We'll just stay for a while. And before you know it, you're sitting where they sat. That path is sometimes so imperceptible, but it's real. It happens. We have to guard our hearts from the truth. Now, the truth in two aspects. First, doctrinally. First, we will depart by going in error. Timothy 2.18 uh, says, 
who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and destroyed the faith of some. There were some that had this wrong view concerning the resurrection that said it had already taken place and they weren't going to participate in it. But you know there's a lot of wrong theology out there. How in the world do people who know the power of the Holy Spirit, who know the presence of God and the Word of God, ever get involved with the cults? Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, just study your, their history. You know that they're an aberration. You know that they're not in the truth. You know, I, I, I wonder how people, forgive me, I know it happens, but I still can't understand it. When you get saved and filled with the Spirit, and God touches your life, how in the world do you go back to a dead church? How in the world do you go back into a church where the leadership isn't even saved and they're so surrounded by wrong doctrines? We're told to give heed that we don't wander from the truth. Paul the Apostle speaking in 1 Timothy 4.16 says to Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will say both yourself and your hearers. We cannot discard doctrine, theology. It's important. I hope you know what you believe and why you believe it. I hope you know the scriptures and know what the Bible teaches. So much of what is out there isn't theology from the Bible. It's more the sociological attitudes of our nation. When I hear some gospel preaching that poses as gospel preaching, I, they're just talking from the culture. They're not really talking the Bible. Know the book. Learn the book. Spend time in the scriptures because you'll be wandering from the truth. There was a Presbyterian couple. And they've noted that in churches, more and more baptisms... Uh, there's less and less baptisms. Less and less people are being water baptized. And so there's an internet uh, site called ceremonyway.com. Don't go to it, but anyway. <laughs> and so they want to have a baptism for their children, but they don't want it to be, you know, too narrow. So uh, their idea is we just do Christianity light. L-I-T, you know, Christianity, light, L-I-T. The idea is, uh, we don't want that heavy stuff. And so here's what they feel. We believe in angels and fairies and leprechauns and Santa Claus. And I guess they put Jesus in there too. We just want some higher being to guide our children. Watch out. Watch out. But that's the attitude. That doctrine doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter. Study the scriptures, the Bible tells us, to be very careful that we hold on to the truth. Now, truth and life are knit together. You can't just have doctrine without it impacting the way you live. Now, some people intellectually just have some sort of mental gymnastic games with theology. Oh, they know the Bible, but it hasn't changed their life. But when you really know the truth, the truth is meant to change your life. Amen. In Titus 1.1, it says, 
Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Wow. The knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. To know the truth changes your life. To know the word changes you on the inside. How is it that people so deceive themselves to think, oh, I'm the exception. I'm the exception. Yeah, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but God makes an exception for me. You, You should know my circumstances. You should know my background. You should know where I've been and where I've come from. So don't deceive yourself. What a man sows, he reaps. We have to be so very careful that truth will lead to godliness because that's intertwined. It's together. To be a godly man is to know the truth. To know the truth will set you free so that you can be a man or a woman of God. There's a fearful verse inscribed in the book of Corinthians. It should put holy fear in each of our hearts Listen to the text. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. This is Paul speaking. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Wow, that's Paul the apostle speaking. Leave that verse up for a moment. I myself should be a castaway. What Paul was saying After I've preached, after I've taught, after I've had all these revelations from God, after I've written the inspired word of God, I still can be a castaway. Lost. Eternally lost. How many of you here knew, know, someone who once preached from a podium and a pulpit in a church and that person no longer is serving God? I could think of ministers that I've known over the years that once knew God and loved him and then walked away from God and involved in horrible, terrible sin and deny the Savior that once called them out of darkness into light. And you can think of people in the church that once zealously testified of Christ, once zealously witnessed to others, but now they're no longer walking with God. Paul the apostle says, I myself could be a castaway, so I bring into subjection my body. In other words, I discipline myself. It's hard to do that. Sometimes you've got to turn your eyes away from that television set. Sometimes you've got to willfully decide not to hang out with that crowd that will pull you down. Sometimes you have to say, listen, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like getting up, but you get up and you go to church. I don't feel like praying, but I'm going to pray. Amen. I remember my heart being ripped out when I read a beautiful letter from a young girl, a teenager. She loved the Lord. Sister Eichelberta's granddaughter. And this young girl wrote her love letter to Jesus. She went far away from God, living in all sorts of sin. Building in Faith. Programs like Building in Faith are wonderful, and we do know that God uses them in the lives of countless believers. 
We also know that just hearing God's Word is not enough. We must put into practice those things that we are learning. Pastor Ed is taking us through the book of James. We'll learn that we must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Building in Faith. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Again, to follow Building in Faith and access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. When you visit the site, you'll only need to remember today's date. Simply click on today's date. You can listen, download, and even share this message with your friends and family via Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, call us. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from the book of James. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly, Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio, willowcreek.com summit.